Hello everyone, welcome to the very next episode of Azure Onware. Today we have Rick Hepworth, who is the Chief Consulting Officer at Black Marble. So to talk about Rick, Rick's primary focus is information technology. Even though he's got a, wide, a very broad spectrum of knowledge in various fields, he's very much uh, interested in speaking about uh, information technology and he's also got experience in designing, deploying and managing IT projects of various scale for a range of organizations. Also, he's a special, his specialities are under IT management, IT strategy and cloud migration. Uh, apart from these, he's also an Azure MVP and Another accolade he's got uh, with regards to his contribution is Microsoft Regional Director. So I'm very happy to have such a knowledgeable person in our show. And hi, Rick. Hello. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah. So, um, Rick, uh, let's give a heads up for the audience on what we're going to talk today first. So, uh, with Rick, uh, I'm going to have a conversation on cloud migration. So, uh, Rick, what's your take on cloud migration? Oh, now there's a big sweeping question to start with. So I've, I've been working with cloud for quite a long time now. And, and um, when I'm talking to customers, it kind of depends who I'm having the conversation with as to what angle they're coming from, right? Oftentimes, I, I talk people down from the ledge of thinking that cloud is simply going to be cheaper. Um, sometimes I'm talking to people who have applications where, because of the, the growth of, of the business, they're looking to take advantage of cloud capabilities. You know, maybe they want to expand into a new country and, and um, the cloud will make it easier for them. Sometimes I'm talking to relatively young organizations and they're looking to take advantage of, of um the sort of agility and flexibility that the cloud gives. And sometimes it's because they want to take advantage of, of tools and services that just aren't available outside the cloud because they're too big to run on-prem. Um, the only one of those scenarios that, that tends to be a slightly fraught conversation is if an organization genuinely believes the cloud is going to be, be cheaper because it isn't. Um, but cloud can be a great lever to help your business grow and be able to change direction and react to, to changing um, economic factors or changing business factors much more quickly than if you're running on-prem. And that tends to be the biggest driver I see for, for organizations moving to the cloud. Yeah. So, uh, as you rightly said, uh, with people who are dealing with on-prem and planning to move to Azure, so uh, what would be the um, mindset or a prerequisite that they should have when moving when they are planning to move into Azure? So, there's a couple of different situations that that businesses can find themselves in. So, the the first is the one that gets talked about most, which is. Uh, you know what, our, our hardware is aging, we're going to need to replace it, or our data center lease is coming up, or, or something like that, and it's so we want to move our infrastructure into the cloud because IT is not our business as an organization. IT is something that, that supports the business, and we don't really want to be managing our own data center and our, our own tin. Those kinds of migrations tend to be seized upon by... Um, IT practitioners who are focused more on, on sort of infrastructure, shall we say. So you, you, you hear terms like lift and shift, where we're going to virtualize your servers, we're going to move your workloads into the cloud. And 
that's not a bad first step. Um, it's certainly important because a lot of organizations have um, components and infrastructure that, that they need to still run on virtual servers and, and, and get working. But there's a risk with lift and shift because oftentimes what you find is organizations underestimate the operating cost of what they're about to put in the cloud. And the lift and shift project is successful, but their cloud spend is then more than they were anticipating. And that tends to, to swallow the budget for what they should be doing in a cloud migration, which is application modernization. So without modernization, rather than saying we're going to move all of our virtual servers, we take a step back and a long, hard look at what we've got in our IT estate, right? And, and what we're, we're trying to do is to say, well, why are we operating a lot of these applications? What have we got? Is there something that you know we can buy rather than build? Can we move to SaaS rather than than running something on prem? So, you know, your first pass is to say, well, can we migrate our I don't know, for example, an on prem SharePoint? Can we put that in Office three six five? If we're running CRM on prem, is there a SaaS offering even from the same vendor that's the, there's an easy migration path? And that sort of drops away a whole load of of components and equipment that we then don't need to move to the cloud and manage. And then the second pass is to look at our own applications. And with that one, we're looking at how we can change how we operate them, change how we host them, and transform them to run in the cloud rather than simply picking up the machines that they're running on, virtualizing them and, and dropping them as infrastructure as code. So to give you a really great example of that, um, the company that, 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 I, that I work for, Black Mobile, we've been doing integration now for a very, very long time. And we've done an awful lot of work with that venerable Microsoft beast that is BizTalk, which is a fantastic product, but it, it really is an on-prem product. Um, and when organizations come to us and say, look, we, we want to move to the cloud, we've got BizTalk, we want to we move our integrations, how do we do that? We sit down and we look at what that's doing. Um, what what are the things that we are connecting? What are the business processes we're automating? And then we look at the cloud, and particularly we're normally looking at Azure, right? So we, we look at the menu of, of Azure services, and we look at how we can take those BizTalk integration components and rebuild them in the cloud to run more effectively, more efficiently, more cost effectively. And we look at what components we might be able to bring from BizTalk to ease the journey. And, and as an approach, that, that scales across all applications, right? If we've written code, we might be able to take some of that code and instead of running it maybe as a Windows service, we take the code, we rebuild it into a slightly different application, and we deploy that in something like an Azure function, which is much more cost effective to run. So app modernization, if you like, is the wise way to move to the cloud. The trap that organizations tend to fall into is they don't necessarily start early enough and they don't really engage the team in that journey to give them the run up to learn about how the cloud works and what, what the toolings needed and what skills are needed and all that kind of stuff. So I spend a lot of my time helping people with that kind of conversation. 
super so uh, you just gave us a clear explanation about how the processing actually happens and also you highlighted about the app modernization so i would also like to know a little more about the application modernization rick so could you share with us sure so the, the first step of, of, of looking to move your application to the cloud is actually nothing to do with the cloud. It's all about how you run it on-prem. Um, and it's really about knowing and understanding how your application functions and performs. So it's not necessarily just what does it do, right? You know, business-level requirements as to what an application needs to do are fairly straightforward. But... Oftentimes, when we've got an application running on a, on a server, we don't really know what kind of transactional volume it's doing, how many requests it's processing, if it's a website, how much memory does it use, and, 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 and what does that look like through the day? What kind of errors and, and um, uh, exceptions are we getting? What CPU load is there? So the first thing I talk to organizations that I'm helping about is instrumenting those applications. And... I don't mind what telemetry service you use to do it. Um, we tend to use Application Insights, which is the, the, the cloud, the Azure cloud telemetry service. And the first thing we do basically is we install the Application Insights agent on all the servers that the things are running on, and we start to wire in App Insights as a telemetry provider into the app. And that starts to give us insight. It starts to, to give us an idea of um, how our application performs over time, how much memory is it using, that kind of stuff. And that's really important because when we want to move to the cloud, the services in the cloud tend not to be straightforward. I want a virtual machine with, I don't know, four cores and 16 gig of memory. They're more nuanced than that. And, and there are billing meters that we have to take into account. So the more we know about what our application performs like, the better we can start to think about what are the appropriate services to, to run it on. And the next thing I talk to them about when it comes to understanding our application is we need to really understand how it's written. You know, what, what language is it written in? What components are we using? If we're on the Microsoft stack, you know, what dependencies have we got? What NuGet packages are we using? Are there um, components that the application has which already exist on the cloud that might be really easy to swap in and swap out? So things like Service Bus, for, for example, maybe we're using Rabbit on-prem and we might be able to move really easily to... Um, Azure Service Bus, or, or in our case, with a, a big project we've been running for quite a, a long time now, we were running Windows Service Bus, Service Bus for Windows Server. So we could just unplug that as a component, right? Plug Azure Service Bus in. But there are implications of some of that, because as you start to update your dependencies and packages, things break. So, you know, we need to catalog all of these things. We need to identify how far behind we are from whatever current is. So if our application is running on .NET Framework, are we, what version are we on? Are we on like 4.6 and current is maybe 4.8? Um, do we want to move to .NET Core? We need to identify those gaps. Um, and, and then what I like to do is, is to help organizations move into the cloud as an iterative process rather than as a scary big bang thing because um the, the trouble with with moving as a as a big bang is either we do the lift and shift that i just talked about and and that doesn't necessarily end well because often we've burned our budget before we've got to the modernization part to make it more effective to run 
Or, as, as many technologists will want to do, we spend lots of time in a room with a whiteboard and we make this beautiful plan and, and we spend a lot of time re-architecting and re-engineering the software to then deploy it and discover that it doesn't quite work how we expect it to. Um, you know, we can lose a lot of time and potentially a lot of money in that kind of approach. So I much prefer sort of an experimentation-driven, iterative approach. And the way that we do that with our customers is we, perhaps counterintuitively, we help them do that lift and shift. We, we build infrastructure as, as code. Uh, so in, in Azure, that's, that's bicep or arm templates to be able to deploy the environment our application runs on automatically into the cloud. And then we, we, we go the next step, which is to build automated build and release pipelines in whatever tooling that the customer has. And that deploys the application automatically into the cloud. We don't intend to run it there for very long. It's there for experimentation. And if we can get the thing running in the cloud as is, what we can then do is as a development team, we can do a series of, of short experiments. So spike projects, proof of concepts, if you like, maybe a, a sprint, possibly two sprints max, where we say, okay, you know what, we've, let's say, for example, we've, we've got a, uh, it's, a, it's an API, it's running in IIS, the web server on Windows Server. Um, what happens if we modify our infrastructure as code to deploy app services? So now we've got an Azure hosted website. Can we just repoint the pipeline so it deploys the website to the app service? And does it still work? And if it doesn't work, why doesn't it work? Can we catalog the, the reasons that something's gone wrong? And maybe if they're really quick fixes, within our experimentation sprint, we could make some changes and see if we can um, deal with those, those paper cuts, if you like. So um, maybe it's configuration that we need to think about uh, changing how we apply it. Maybe it's um, how we talk to a couple of dependencies, that there are different ways of doing it in the cloud. What that should tell us is if we've got some big gaps, lots of work to do, because there are more structural issues in the application that prevent it working in app services. We don't fix those in the sprint. That, that starts to go on our backlog then, and we build a list of work that we're going to have to do um, to make our V1 cloud version of, of the product function. And we basically repeat that experimentation approach with all the different components of the application over a, hopefully a relatively short period of time. And the outcome of that often can be a working minimum viable product, if you like. So we've done just enough changes to get it off virtual machines and into proper Azure PaaS services or, or containers, if that was our choice. Um, and it's running. It's not optimized, but it's running. And at that point, um, literally, we'll put it in the cloud. But at the same time, we've built our backlog of work that we've got to do um, on how to, to modify the application for the longer term. And that backlog of work could be simple code changes. It could be architectural changes where we've gone, you know what, well, Yes, we can put the API into app services in the short term, but actually it will be better if once it's running in the cloud, then we start breaking it apart and taking each of the different API controllers out. Maybe we drop those into Azure Functions or Azure Container Apps, and we'll front it up using um, API management. And maybe if we've got some sort of business logic workflows in there, we don't want to redo those as code. We'll pull those out into logic apps, and we'll start to build a, a much more component-orientated architecture. So 
um, through this experimentation phase, we build this sort of long-term trajectory, if you like, of, of good, better, best for our journey. And then once we've got this um, first version of the application running in the cloud, one of the things we've also had to do as part of this experimentation journey is we've got to talk to our team and we've got to talk to them about this new thing called cloud. Um, a, a lot of particularly IT pros tend to get, get quite twitchy about cloud because they think, um, they think it's very different from what they know. They think that their skills are no longer relevant. They think that sometimes they're going to be no longer relevant. And you can oftentimes find there's a lot of resistance inside the team towards moving to this new thing called cloud because they think they're going to put themselves out of a job. So this sort of iterative experimentation approach is great because you can bring all of those people on the journey and you can get them involved in deploying and managing things in the cloud while we're experimenting. And you can show them that their knowledge is still relevant. I've been in IT for a very long time, God help me. Um, so, you know, I, I started pulling cables under floors when it was thin Ethernet, before um, UTP, CAP, 3, 4, 5, whatever. Um, and um, a lot of the stuff that I used to do as, as, a, as a younger IT pro is actually still relevant. Um, networks still exist in the cloud. They might be virtual, but we still need to understand um, address ranges. We need to have an understanding of, of how routing happens and what firewalls do and all that kind of stuff. If we're running virtual machines, then all of my skills for server management are absolutely relevant. But even if we're not, monitoring and maintaining the services that are running in the cloud take a similar skill set than running and maintaining the servers on prep, right? I'm still looking at errors. I'm still looking maybe at memory use or CPU use just within the appropriate Azure services that we're running on. So there's a hearts and minds campaign going on at the same time as the technological campaign that will put us into the cloud on day one with our application with something that works well and then we're into the iterative process of continually improving it. And, and then we start to have conversations about how do we manage the cloud and, and have we got the right governance in place and how do we operate and all of that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, like you said about various points that you mentioned right now, Rick. So I'm also um, interested to know more about the, this particular migration thing. So the first thing that I would like to know about would be what are the factors that would benefit a specific organization or a user who's planning to migrate to Azure, uh, be it uh, in terms of uh, efficiency or performance, or it can even be in terms of cost. Yeah. So I would like to know about that. Okay, so let me illustrate that with an example with a different customer. So they've currently got, um, their, their core business system is a, a, a vendor-built product, which most of the market use. So all of the organizations in their industry are using the same platform to support the business. And um, that means that they're struggling to innovate how they do things because the platform is an anchor. And if they ask for changes to the platform from the vendor, then everybody in the same market gets them. So they're looking at the cloud as an enabler to grow and develop the business. So they're very much looking at the agility flexibility point of view. And 
what they are looking to do is to build their own new application. So in for them, the speed that we can build solutions in the cloud is important. Um, the operating cost is important to them, but at the same time, they are comfortable that there can be a much closer relationship between what the cloud application costs and the volume of business you're doing. Um, changing horses slightly, we, we, we did a lot of work for a big retailer where we migrated them away from what was an on-prem MuleSoft implementation, so big integration solution. And, and they used MuleSoft to exchange ordering, invoicing, stock control with all of their suppliers. And it was very expensive. It was sort of like, you know, there was a fixed cost per year for licensing and another big fixed cost per year for um, for support. And they ran into the millions. And what we we did was we worked with them and we said, well, um, why don't we move this to Logic Apps in, in Azure? Uh, we, you know, we'll look at each individual integration. We'll look at what it does. We'll look at what, it, what information it moves. We'll look at how it connects. And we'll we'll... We'll move these into Azure using a, a, a variety of components. So we were using um, Logic Apps. We were using uh, integration accounts, which are all about uh, uh, data mapping and schemas and that kind of stuff. We were using functions. Um, and in some cases, we got sort of job processes that we needed to put in things like uh, 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 app services. But the end result of that was that there was a a very direct connection between a transaction between them and their suppliers um, and the cost of the cloud because everything was was being charged pretty much based on executions. So if an order went out, there was a pretty tiny charge of the logic apps and functions that was directly related to that order. It didn't matter the the more orders they got, the bigger the cloud bill was because that cloud cost was a direct component of the order. So they could see a very straightforward um, financial cost relationship, right? So one of their integrations dealt with about 17 million pounds of, of stock transactions a month. Um, and their, their overall bill went from a million quid a year to I think we would we were we'd worked it out at about five thousand pounds a month for all the integrations. So for them they gained several things, right? I mean yes their billing went down. Um that's one thing, but more importantly they achieved a very connected um, the the cost of the cloud was very directly connected to the revenue of the business. And also because of the nature of, of what was built then in Azure, it was very easy for them to innovate, to modify an individual integration without affecting any, any of the rest of them, to add new components, change new functions. So they got a lot of agility and flexibility that they didn't have when they were in the cloud. And that, in 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 particularly in in the UK at the moment, right where the economy is is interesting, we're all under pressure. Inflation is high. The more agility we can give the businesses that we work for, 
And the closer we can connect our costs to the amount of business we're doing, rather than just being something that's on the bottom line as a as a sort of a sunk cost that we've got to amortize across all of our business, doing that is is what most of my customers are trying to do at the moment because it, it makes it a lot easier to survive in this kind of climate. Okay. So, um, like you said, cost is one of the major factors that we have to consider when moving into any new uh, technology stack that we're working on with. In that case, um, like Rick mentioned, uh, Azure is doing a great job, but also uh, in Serverless 360, now, as a tool who complements Azure's uh, management and monitoring solution, we do have a part called cost analysis. So that's a solution that we provide where uh, we have this complete cost management thing happening uh, uh, in a third-party tool for you. So this is completely in a consolidated may- way where uh, a big, huge organization can come in who's got multiple subscriptions can come in and have it in a consolidated way so uh, like many uh, people who are trying to help you in terms of with uh, cost analysis uh, when you are trying to migrate to Azure is the market is really huge here right now so um, with with having that session completely uh, uh, based on cloud migration so it was a very brilliant uh, talk with you Rick I would also like to have a final question with you so this is something that we ask for every speaker who come for a show because we uh, aim at uh, bringing in experts to speak with us so uh, having such an expert here I would like to have a quick tip for the beginners or people who are uh, in the initial phases of Azure how do you guide them oh that's that's actually that's a really interesting question so the trouble with cloud is it's is it's so it's so big, right? So um, what I tend to say is 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 look, find yourself a bit of a project, set yourself something to do, and use that to frame how you go and learn about Azure. Um, but also, don't worry too much if if you're not a a developer. That doesn't mean you can't still get into the cloud you know there's a lot of scope for 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 people who don't write code like myself you know i'm an it pro so um yeah i i carved my niche if you like in in um infrastructure as code infrastructure management um looking at what was in the cloud to help me understand what my workloads were doing with that 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 kind of thing so to an extent my 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 first comment is don't be scared by it my second comment is take a look at it through the lens of what you're passionate in. Find the bits of the cloud that align with your passion and go and have a play. Set yourself some kind of project because the cloud can be quite daunting. If you're just sort of kicking it around, you'll find you're not really making much traction. Um, and then the final thing is, don't be afraid to go out and do some of the free courses that are on there. Uh, are out there. Once, once you know what kind of bit of the cloud you're interested in, um, there's Microsoft Learn. There are Learn Pathways on there that you can access for free. Uh, LinkedIn Learning is a great source of um, material to, to learn about different aspects of the cloud. And then once you've got the hang of, of that, then I'd say, Start looking at some of the certifications that Microsoft offer, not necessarily because you want the badges, although, you know, sometimes that can be helpful, too. But the great thing about the exams is 
they help you identify what you don't know and what the gaps in your knowledge are and therefore can help you continue that learning journey. Um, and the exams really are built around, again, sort of career pathways. So they'll help you validate the knowledge that, that you're, you're attaining in the area that you, you feel you want to work with in the cloud once you've got the hang of it all. Um, and the last thing I'd say is, don't be afraid to reach out to people in the community. Frankly, people like like myself, right? There are lots of, of um, community organizers. Some of them are Azure MVPs like me. A, a lot of them aren't. There are great people in the community outside the MVP program. They organize user groups. They organize conferences. They speak at user groups. They speak at conferences. And most of them will quite happily answer questions if you reach out to them on, on the bird site or um, Mastodon, as, as a lot of people seem to have moved to now, or, or other social media channels. Don't be afraid to ask. One of the great things about our technology community is we all support each other, right? Yeah. So that's that's uh, another point that I would like to add here in the show for the audience. The Azure community supports a lot for the beginners. So there's a lot of uh, community initiatives happening. Uh, there's a lot of uh, knowledge share happening within the community. So it's always open for people like um, who are interested to learn Azure. So with adding on that note, uh, we would like to wind up the session with Rick. It was it was a great having you, Rick, with us, and it was a very knowledgeable session. And and um, yeah, it was happy talking to you. And we also look forward to talking with you a lot more. It was a pleasure being on the show. Thanks very much for having me, Amrita. Thank you. Thanks, Rick.